Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. There's sunshine outside. I mean, doesn't get much better than that, right? I love the joke that uh, Bob does with the Alive group, and I, I love it that Gabe cringes in the back every single time he talks about that, but keep it up, Bob. Uh, anyways, well, hope you guys are doing good. Uh, just to kind of give you a little bit of information, uh, we're probably going to, you know, I've got a little series going, and then the next few weeks we're going to be talking about some different things, but I really want to go over some, some grace truths, if you will. You guys know what grace truths are, right? It's like, um, really like some absolutes. Uh, there's a lot of things out there where people are saying, like, you know, we don't want to be absolute about anything. And so I, I, I don't really agree with that. You know, they'll say things like, um, uh, you know, truth is relative. Uh, whatever your truth is, that's truth. Have you guys heard some of these things before, you know? And I don't, I don't line up with that. Uh, essentially, they're saying that truth is therefore dependent, but I believe absolute truth is something that is true at all times and in all places. Um, it's something that is always true no matter what the circumstance, and I believe God wants us to have some absolute truths about what we believe. Uh, I remember my, uh, my old pastor, one of my pastors used to say, he used to say that uh, anytime God's word um, becomes cliche to you, it loses its power over you. Have you guys heard something like that? And, and I do believe that. I believe anytime, basically what he's saying is, is anytime the word of God seems like it's just redundant and doesn't mean anything to you, uh, it loses its power over you. Peter, Second Peter, he said, I won't hesitate to continually remind you of these truths, even though you are aware of them and are well established in the present measure of truth you have already embraced. Um, he said, even though we may know these truths, basically, I'm going to remind you of them. And I think that's what we do here at Grace Church. That's why grace never really gets old, is because we're reminding ourselves of things. And I think if Peter had to remind people back then, how important it is it for us to be reminded of some of these things, some of these truths that we already believe in. Amen? Um, so I'm going to pray real quick and we'll go into it. But Father, we thank you, God, for everybody that's in here. Um, just speak to us this morning. I thank you, God, for a refreshing in our lives. And God, you're doing so many good things in each person. And uh, we trust in you to speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Um, when I was, uh, I would say about 11 years old, uh, we went to a Methodist church. How many of you guys ever went to a Methodist church in here? Yeah, okay, I got some fellow Methodists. Uh, and uh, I remember I did the old, when we were little, it was awful, but they had the hearing aid stuff in the front, and we thought it was like an airplane, and we'd like, you know, zoom it up, and really it was supposed to be so people could listen, and, uh, and they had the hymnals, we had all sorts of fun with those, but I did the whole candle stick thing, you know, where you lit, went forward, and you wore the robe, and you lit it, and it was really awesome. Um, I actually had a really cool youth program at this Methodist church. Uh, but the, one of the pastors actually helped with the youth, and I remember I was 11, and I had questions, right, as a young person. I was like, I'm going to ask this guy some real hard questions. And I went to him, and I was like, hey, his name was David. I said, hey, Pastor David, I said, how do I know when I'm right with God? Like, how do I know when I'm forgiven? And one of the comments he said to me uh, to, in response to that was, he said, you know that when you are, when you feel like it. He said... You know you are 
when you feel like it. And I, he guys laugh because as an 11-year-old boy, there were days where I felt like I was forgiven, and there were days where I really didn't feel like I was forgiven, right? Uh, kind of the roller coaster, if you will, uh, relationship with God. And I think that if we're not careful, people in general, right, they can live that life their whole lives, just constantly in question and concerned about where they are and if they are forgiven with God, um, but I want to teach you guys uh, that forgiveness isn't dependent on anything, right? God's forgiveness isn't relative. Forgiveness is something that is already decided. Uh, but to better understand this, I'm going to take you guys, if you guys are okay with this, are you guys ready for a little time travel? We're going to do a little time travel here this morning. Um, and I know Doc Brown, we said this in the announcements, but I know Doc Brown, he would say nobody should know too much about their own destiny. Do you remember when he said that? I think it was in the first or second one, but uh, he said nobody should know too much about their own destiny. Um, and, and I want to add to that whether we've been forgiven past, present, or future, but so many people have these forgiveness question marks over their mind, right, over their lives. And some people believe that forgiveness is is dependent, right? They'll say that. They'll say forgiveness is dependent. And I'll ask the question, I'll say, well, what is forgiveness dependent on? And I want to give you guys three things that they'll say that forgiveness is dependent on. Okay, are we ready? So number one is, it might be in your bulletin too, uh, but how has God forgiven us? How has God forgiven us, right? And um, Basically, they're saying, is there small print in this whole deal, right? Is there, is there some wording underneath or verbiage that I'm missing? Maybe there's like stipulations with God's forgiveness. Maybe, maybe there's a stipulation. Uh, the second thing that they would say forgiveness is dependent on is when, right? When are we forgiven? When has God forgiven us? Um, was it, uh, you know, in 1985, uh, October 26th? Was it October 21st of 2015? Was it November 12th of 1955? Was that when God forgave us, right? Um, the third reason that people will say uh, that is, that, that teaches, that they try to teach this forgiveness being dependent would be if God has forgiven us, if, he, if he's actually forgiven us, Right? But in the words of Harry Truman, you guys know who Harry Truman is? He's from the Truman Show, right? No? Um, but in the words of Harry Truman, some questions cannot be answered, but they can be decided. Some of the young people are like, what's he talking about? Um, Harry Truman. Some questions cannot be answered, but they can be decided. And I believe forgiveness isn't something that we need to question about, Right? Therefore, we need to decide about what we believe about forgiveness. We don't want to stay on that roller coaster of, has God forgiven me? Has he not? Because I believe, and this is something we're going to talk about next week, is I believe that forgiveness needs to be without question because it affects our daily walk. It affects how we treat people. It affects our prayer life. It affects just even how we communicate with God or if we communicate with God. Um, so to better explore this, like I said, we're going to do a little time travel. We have to get into the DeLorean and travel up to how many miles per hour? 88 miles per hour. And we're going to go back to a time of 570 B.C. 570 B.C. Now, there was a prophet, the prophet Jeremiah. I think we have a picture of the prophet Jeremiah. Um, 
So it was the Jeremiah time, right? He was uh, what was known as the weeping prophet. That's a pretty rough name to get titled as. Like just prophet would be fine, but he was called the weeping prophet. And uh, Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, he said, behold, or he said, great Scott. (laughs) Right? Did you guys see that translation? It says, great Scott. Days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was husband to them, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and write it on their heart. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wrongdoing, and their sin I will remember no more. Right? So I want to say, if you look at this, right, this is basically, um, it's the almanac. Okay, this is like the almanac when, he, when he, he went, it's like God was in the future and he went back and he had the almanac, okay, but Jer- we're, we're talking about the book of Jeremiah, okay, we're not talking about the almanac, but the book of Jeremiah says that God one day in the future is going to make an agreement. He's going to make a promise, if you will, with all of mankind and he says it's going to be new. It's not going to be like the old and I will forgive them and no longer am I going to remember their sin. Also, uh, Jeremiah's lost long brother, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 43, 25, it says, I am he who is blotting out thy transgressions for mine own sake and thy sins I will remember no more. So it says, if you look at the New Living Translation, I don't have this in here, but at the New Living Translation, it says, I will never think of them again, all right? So how was God going to forgive in such a way that he can't remember our sin? How was he going to do that? Let's go ahead and warp a little bit further. If you guys will, hop back in the DeLorean. I know it was a short trip, but 29 A.D., right? It was the day John the Baptist was baptizing. You guys remember this? John the, John the Baptist, the crazy John the Baptist was out in the wilderness, and he was eating locusts and honey, which is a pretty good, like, some type of diet. I don't really know what it was. And he had this, like, wool on top of him. Like, they have the crazy pictures, and his his hair was crazy, right? But he was declaring the day of the Lord was coming, right? And, And all of a sudden, he looks up, and Jesus was coming through the water. Remember this story of the Jordan? And I think we have a picture of John the Baptist when he looked up and he saw Jesus. Do you have that, Mary, for us? No? All right. It looks like Doc standing next to Michael J. Fox, and he's really, there we go. That's it. I knew she did. So, uh, so that's when he saw Jesus walking through the Jordan River, okay? And he was like, great Scott, again. Okay. John 1.29, it says, the very next day, John saw Jesus coming to him to be baptized. And, he's, and he said, look, or great Scott, there he is. God's lamb, he takes away the sin of the entire world. 
So in the old covenant, the high priest laid hands. You guys remember learning about this just recently? He laid hands on the scapegoat, which symbolized the transferring of sins, and the scapegoat ran off into the woods, never to return. So as John was baptizing people, he's like, there he is, right? Jesus was a part of the deal. This is what he's been telling people. Jesus was a part of the deal. He was a part of the payment. This is who Jeremiah and the prophets were talking about. He is the promised one. And he didn't even call him. I don't know if you guys know this, but he didn't even call him by name. He didn't say, oh, there's Jesus, my cousin. No, he didn't say that. He said, there is the Lamb of God, right? The Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the whole world. And if you look up the Aramaic, It says the sins of the universe, right? If you look up the Star Wars translation, it says the galaxy. So John said, behold, because he knew Jesus was the payment for our sins, and that's why he called him the Lamb of God. So this is how he forgave us, right? Through the payment of Jesus. The King James Version says, take away, taketh away, right? Or took away in the Greek is what it means. Um, So I have a question. Do you think if he was the Lamb of God, right, if Jesus was the Lamb of God and John the Baptist saw him coming and he said, there he is, the Lamb of God who came to taketh away the sins of the world, do you think he took those sins by now? Do you think, like, he actually did that process? Like, do you think that that actually happened? Because I will say, I believe some people in the world actually have more faith in the trash man than they do in Jesus taking away the sins. And I'll explain, I'll explain. Like, you guys ever taken out the trash? Like, I'm pretty good at it. It's kind of like my MO, like, that's my duty, is what my wife calls it. That's like my job. You guys have jobs, right? Like, that's mine. I don't, she doesn't get that one. I get that one. Someday she gets it if I forget it, right? But I'm supposed to take it out to the, to the trash, okay? And we have this thing that prevents the bears from getting in it and everything, and we have to pull out the trash can. But the trash man comes on Mondays and Thursdays, right? That's pretty lucky because we get two days. Some of you get one, but we're blessed get two days. But Ruthie knows that the trash man comes on Mondays and Thursdays, okay? Now, here's what I can promise you is on Tuesday and on Friday, Ruthie does not go out to the trash can and, like, look inside the trash can to make sure that the trash is gone. Why does she not do that? It's because the trash man taketh away the trash on Mondays and Thursdays. You following me? So here's what I'll say is Jesus came to taketh away the sins of the whole world, right? And that means that he took them away. They gone. They're not coming back. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Makes sense. He took it away. Taking away means to to raise up. It means to lift up. It means the word hoisted, which is a funny word, hoisted. I can barely say it. Hoisted. It means compared to an anchor being lifted up. The whole world was anchored at the bottom of sin, and it took Jesus coming as the perfect sacrifice. He was the only one who could lift the anchor of sin off of our lives so that we could set sail. To take away our sins is a figure of speech that means he will break sin's grip from humanity, taking away both its guilt and its power from those who believe. So let's warp up past the cross. You guys okay? One more trip? Okay, we're going to go past the cross to the year 66 A.D. 
I'm pretty sure the flux capacitor is working good, so we're good. We haven't got any arrows shot into it. We're good. But we're going to go up to 66 AD to where they believe that the book of Hebrews was written. Um, that was the time era. Uh, Hebrews 8.8, 8, it says in the Christian Standard Bible, it says, but Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry, and to that degree, he is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been established on better promises. All right, so speaking of DeLoreans, right? That's a pretty cool car. How many of you guys like DeLoreans in here? Yeah, how many, how many of you like, maybe you're not a DeLorean, maybe that's like 80s, let's move back to 70s. How many of you like, like Mustangs and Camaros and Chevelle? We can move to Chevelles, or maybe you're like a Nova, maybe you're like, eh, I don't like the Chevelle, I don't like the, you know, let's move over to Nova, or maybe that's not you, maybe those are too muscly cars, maybe you're more like a 57 Chevy or like uh, an old Buick or an old truck or, or whatever, right? But here's what I'll let you know, whatever car of choice, old car of choice it is, I have bad news for old car lovers. New cars are better than old cars. Did you know that? Otherwise, there would be DeLorean and 1957 Chevy car lots on every area in this town, okay? But there's not. You have to work really hard to go find those cars. And the reason why new cars are better than old cars, hold on, old car lovers, the reason why is because there have been improvements that have been made. Did you know that? Like there's windows that roll up and down. We talked about the stick shift a couple weeks ago. You know, there's been, there's air conditioning. You know what air conditioning, like it's required in Florida. Like if I see a car and it doesn't have air conditioning, I'm probably not gonna buy it, okay? It's just gonna be how it's going. But there have been improvements. There have been upgrades right? There have been upgrades. And here's what I'll say about the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant is the, the difference is, is the upgrades. And we have been upgraded. How many of you know we live in the new covenant right now? We are in it. We're in the new covenant as we speak. And therefore, one of those upgrades is forgiveness forever. Forgiveness forever is one of the upgrades. And so I want you to know God was the true time traveler. God was the true time tra traveler. And the reason why is because he made, number one, he made a promise in the old, okay, which speaks to the past. He made a promise in the old. Then he made a payment in the new covenant, which is where we live. He made a payment in the new covenant, which is the present. And then he provided forgiveness forever. Does everybody follow me so far? Promise in the old, and then he made a payment in the new, and he provided forever forgiveness. Revelations 1.8, I don't have that on there, but Revelation 1.8, it says that he was the alpha and the omega. He was the beginning and the end. He was um, the A to Z. My daughter was asking me, we are washing dishes last night, and she's like, I don't understand how God was Jesus, and Jesus was God, and the Holy Spirit, and I'm like, I don't understand it all either. But it's amazing that he was able to travel time and be able to speak to those things. Hebrews 10, 12, it says, it's in the Amplified, it says, whereas Christ, who? Christ, having offered the one. How many sacrifices? One sacrifice for sins for all time. For all time, we're talking about time today, sat down at the right hand of God. This answers, when has God forgiven us? When are we forgiven? Because a lot of the time, I don't know if like, you deal this with your kids, but like, you got to say sorry. Like, you got to say it. 
and you got to make sure you mean it. You didn't mean it that time. Like, I can tell you didn't mean it. Go back and say you're sorry. Say it like when you mean it. You got to mean it, right? And so this answers the when have we been forgiven. Is, is it when we ask for it? No. It said for all time. That speaks to past. That speaks to present. And that speaks to future. For all time, even in other translations, it means permanent. Some translations say forever, right? The Berean literal translation, it says, but this one having one sacrifice for sins in perpetuity. Do you guys know what in perpetuity means? It's like a legal term, kind of like, I don't know if you guys have ever bought a property and something has been grandfathered in, maybe a driveway, or maybe you're outside of an HOA and that's just a matter of fact. But it's a legal term and it means without end. And how does this apply to me in the natural, man? I, I, I mean, these are all cool things that we're learning about, right? But how does this apply to me nowadays? I, I, I'm not fully understanding. So here's what I'll say. I used to work uh, out in Arizona when we lived there for a little while. Uh, this boss, we worked at a golf course, and this boss that I worked for kind of had a lot of interactions with him, especially at the beginning. And I would always, in everything that I did, I don't know why I did it, but I would always, like, if I bumped him, I would say, or if he bumped me, I would say sorry, right? Or if I set something down too loud, I would say, oh, I'm sorry, like to him. And, or, or if I just, if I did anything, if I burped, okay, I would say sorry, right? I just constantly was saying sorry all the time for everything. And when my boss finally said, he said, Matt, he said, why do you say sorry about everything? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm just living my life. I don't, I don't know. And he goes, stop saying sorry. Stop. And then sometimes I'd be d- doing those things, and I'd say sorry, and he'd say, stop it. Stop. Cut it out. Like, you don't have to be sorry about this. This was not something that you did, right? And here's what I want you to know. Sometimes that's how God is with us, right? Like, sometimes we're just like, oh, sorry, God. Like, oh, I'm sorry I woke up. I'm sorry I'm breathing right now, God. I'm sorry that this is happening in my life. Here's what I want you to know. Don't be so sorry, okay? Why? Because God has already forgiven us. He's already forgiven us. He doesn't want us to have this sorry mentality. Now, is it, is it a bad thing to say we're sorry? No, it's not bad. It's not bad. But just stop saying it all the time. Got me? Um, I think some of us are more concerned about saying sorry than God is. Hebrews 10, 13 through 18, it says, It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. And by that single offering, he did everything that needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process. The Holy Spirit confirms this, this new plan I'm making with Israel. Does this sound familiar, right? Like kind of like the book of Jeremiah a little bit? Uh, Isn't going to be written on paper. It isn't going to be chiseled in stone. The This time, I'm writing out the plan in them. I'm carving it in the lining of their hearts. He concludes, I'll forever wipe the the slate clean of their sins. Once sins are taken care of for good, there's no longer any need to offer sacrifices for them. So this is Jeremiah. This is being prophesied through Jeremiah. And he says, once sins are taken care of for good, right? That word once, in the Greek, it means Hey, Pax, which means one time. How many times? One time. In Psalms, if we skip back to Psalms 103, verses 12, it says, He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. 
Now, this is back before there was like GPS and Siri and all these things, okay? I'm just letting you know. This is the time of David. And it says, but basically, east and west never meet. I don't know if you've ever traveled east. I know we're still learning like which way is east and which way is west. But if you travel east, as long as you, um, no matter how far you travel east, you will never reach a point at which your next step must be westward. And David could have said, God has removed them as far as north from south, but once you hit north, how many of you guys know what direction you go? Southward, right? Um, So if he removed sin, where did he take it to? This is kind of wrapping it up, but if he removed sin, where did he take sin to? Hebrews 9.26, it says, for that would mean he must suffer repeatedly ever since the fall of the world. Now, he has appeared at the fulfillment of the ages to abolish sin once for all by the sacrifice of himself, right? Abolish means a thestus in the Greek. It means a setting aside. It means no longer in effect. It means to eradicate. It means to destroy utterly. It means to wipe out, okay? So this answers the if God has forgiven us because this leaves out any question as to what happened to sin. Okay, he, it's not like he took a little mat and he like swept it under the rug. Okay, you guys are wrong. He destroyed it. He eradicated sin. And some of you are like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I still, I still struggle. I still so. I want you to know he's, he eradicated the power of sin that is over our lives. Right? He eradicated it so much that he eradicated it from the world. They just don't realize it. Okay, Colossians 2.14, he canceled, he wiped out, he erased the record, the certificate of debt, which listed all the rules we failed to follow with its decrees that were against us. The record of sins through the Old Testament law, he took it away and he set it aside. He destroyed it and he nailed it to the cross. Like, I've heard people say this before. They're like, Matt, like, I don't know, like, about, you know, I don't know about grace because, um, you know, people kind of, they, they diminish what sin is, okay? And here's what I want you to know. Like, clearly, um, God has made a big deal about it because he erased it. He took the time to, it says that he nailed it to the cross, okay? So it was a big deal. But what I want you to know is it was a big enough deal that he went ahead and decided, I'm going to take care of this once and for all. I'm going to take care of the the power that it has over people. I'm going to eradicate that. So question, if he canceled sin so much that it was destroyed, then why do we spend so much time trying to confess it? You guys follow me on that? Uh, if 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 he destroyed, like if he canceled it in such a way, why do we spend so much time trying to talk to God about our sin? Does that make sense? Because if, if he eradicated it so much that he doesn't remember it, then we don't need to spend so much time trying to tell God about all the sins that we've done. I remember when I used to pray, um, when I was a young new believer, I would say, God, forgive me of my sins and my past. God, forgive me of my sins that I did today. And God, forgive me of any sins in the future. And God, forgive me of any sins that I might have done that I have no clue that I've done. I spent so much time confessing sin that I forgot about why, you know, he, he paid for sin. He doesn't want us to spend all this time confessing. He wants us to confess who he is and who we are and our relationship. He wants us to talk about that. I I couldn't imagine if I would just continually tell my wife like, hey, I'm sorry about everything. I'm sorry about not taking the trash out last week. I'm sorry that I did this. I'm sorry that I did that. Oh, like, hey, you want to talk about life and like what's going on in your life? Like, oh, that's going on in my life. Yeah. Imagine that kind of relationship. 
We don't have those relationships with people. Um, and I'm not saying it's not bad to say sorry. I'm just saying stop saying it all the time. God, the alpha and the omega, who knew the beginning from the end, was able to step outside of time, to go from the beginning, to come to earth in the form of a man, to use a magic eraser to obliterate sin in such a way that 2,000 years later, he still has amnesia. Judah Smith, I love what he said. He said, he's the God who never forgets our name or the count of, of our hairs, but he has forgotten all our sin. I'll say that again. I said, he's the God who never forgets our name or the count of our hairs, but he has forgotten all our sin. And not just me and you, but the sin of the whole world. Ephesians 1.7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. My question to you is, are we in him? Then we should have no question. Speaking of time travel, um, there was a famous person uh, who was mostly famous from the years 1914 to 1935. Uh, he was a baseball player. Let's see if we can put him up, right? Um, and, I, and I'll just let you know, he was a phenomenal baseball player, okay? Uh, he, hit, he hit some world records that are tough to, I mean, there's still guys that are doing it today, but at that time, he was amazing. And and he would come out just like that, and he would point to the grandstands, and then he would hit that home run. And I, and I want you to know, Jesus Christ was the Babe Ruth of knocking sin out of the park. He removed our sins. He hit a grand slam in such a way that he sent the whole world running home. And I will say, if you don't know who Babe Ruth is, to him who is ignorant, let him remain. <laughs> And I'll give you a hint, it's not a candy bar, and it's not my wife's pet name. But forgiveness isn't dependent on us asking for forgiveness. It's dependent on the forgiver. I'll say that again. Forgiveness isn't dependent on us asking for forgiveness. It's dependent on the forgiver. Could it be we were already forgiven? Could it be that we have already been forgiven, already been forgiven? Right. I remember uh, roughly I was like 16, 17 years old, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure you guys remember the, the old days when the pastor um, would ask, you know, like, hey, is there anybody in here forgiveness that needs to forgive somebody? Like, raise your hand, right? And I remember like, I'm like, man, I really hope that person raises their hand in here, right? Like, they, they need to raise their hand. They're like, well, if you're struggling with forgiveness towards your parents, like, you really need to raise your hand. And I'm like, lean there. I'm like, man, I hope this person raises their hand. I'm starting to get hungry a little bit. And, you know, like, and then I remember like, some, the, the pastor said again, he's like, if there's anybody in here that has unforgiveness towards their dad, like, you need to raise your hand. And I'm like, man, will that person please raise their hand? What is the deal? My mom's like sobbing next to me, and she just like elbows me, right? <laughs> Bam! And I was like, what? She goes, that's you. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I go up front, right? And I remember like, I was just bawling. And I let years of unforgiveness that I had towards my dad come out, right? Just, and um, uh, years after that, my dad um, still, he went down a rough road for a, a long time. I was mm, close to 30 and uh, 30 years old, and I remember uh, my dad like hit rock bottom and, and really had an awesome experience with the Lord and something 
radical happened to where he just, he couldn't turn it off, right? Something good. And about two years even after that, and I was in relationship with him, trying to help him with all that too. About two years later after that, I remember he's like, called me and he's like, hey, Matt. He's like, I just got to thinking. He's like, I want to tell you I'm sorry, right? And I was, I kind of chuckled. You know, I was like, oh, I was like, oh okay, what, what are you saying sorry about that? And he's like, I want you to know, like, I'm sorry about, like, not being there all those years and everything that I did. And I, I, I laughed. I laughed with him, right? And, he, and he's like, what? And I was like, Dad, I was like, I forgave you back when I was, like, 16 years old. I'm like, I, I, I appreciate it, and I love you, and I'm so thankful that you said sorry. But you didn't have to say that you're sorry. And I want you to know that's how God worked, right? Like, he forgave us 2,000 years ago. He's not waiting on us to say sorry to forgive us. The forgiveness was already provided. Now, was there healing that happened in that moment? Was there a conversation that I had with my dad that was, was special and there was healing on both sides? Yeah, that was special. But I want you to know, forgiveness was provided for us, for you and I, for the whole world a long, long time ago. It's always there. We don't have to say sorry. We get to say thank you. And it's absolutely true that we have been forgiven. We're talking about absolutes. It's absolutely true that you and I have been, for, been forgiven. Jesus abolished sin in such a way that it has no effect. The whole world, world's anchor of sin has been lifted. That's good news. That makes it so easy to talk to people about God. Like, you don't have to talk to them about their sin. <laughs> it was abolished. Right? We get to talk to him about forgiveness and how much he loves them. The prom there was a promise in the past. There was a payment in the new covenant. Right? And then there was provision that was forever forgiven. Forever. Forever. What, what kind of message is that? That's the best message I've ever heard of. So will you guys stand with me as I pray for everybody? Next week, we're going to talk about, uh, we're just going to, I'm going to share with you guys some, some practical, like now that we've been forgiven, right, we, go to, we get to go from the past and move to the future. And that's what's so neat about God is he, he exists in both. It's really kind of mind-blowing to me. But that's what he did for us. Let's, let's worship God. Father, we thank you, God, for this morning, God. We thank you, God, for each one that's in here. God, I pray for each one, God, that we're able to receive your forgiveness in a way that maybe we haven't before, God. That you paid for everything in our lives, past, present, and future, God. And God, I speak over our lives, God. That's such a life-changing message, God, that we can walk in the newness of who you've made us, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, God. And so we trust you with that. We worship you. We honor you today for who you are. And I speak life over each person as we go. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen and amen.